when we wrote 17, the whole hook, I act like I'm 17 when you say goodbye to me. All of the pain it brings, a lesson in empathy. Am I too old to stop believing in destiny? I wasn't enough, but I gave you the best of me. I'm sorry I never got to be 17. I act like I'm 17 because I never got to be, because I came out when I was 18 because it wasn't safe for me. Just a lot of like unloving things from childhood and also being aromantic and trying to force myself into the shape of romance. And I live for moments like this. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Vicarious, a podcast that dives into the creative minds of me, Alex Scott, and me, Karen White, and anyone else who will talk to us. And today that person is Dust Quaid. Dust is a non-binary, pansexual, aromantic, multidisciplinary artist. They started drag in June 2016, born to drag mother Chandelier. In 2017, they created Sleepy Queers Productions, under which they became the creator and host of Commercial Drag, a bi-weekly drag show in East Vancouver. The show supports the growth of drag performers of all skill levels. In the spring of 2020, during the first COVID-19 lockdown, they wrote, recorded, and released their first EP of songs, Amateur. Identity lives at the center of their music. Borrowing tropes from their own memories, they weave a relatable, upbeat, pop-rock atmosphere. Dust prolifically strives towards unique and diverse perspectives in their storytelling. Their music explores themes of sexuality, aromanticism, fatness, death, sacrifice, and many others. Their debut studio album, Arcana, was made in collaboration with Josh Eastman at Helm Studios and was released in 2022. Their next EP, 17, is set to release June 23, 2023. Welcome, Dust. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for being here. We have to act now as if we haven't been talking for 20 minutes. Yes. 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 Exactly. You, just, you just <laughs> walked just in and sat down. <sighs> what a journey. <laughs> didn't even hear that bio we just read yeah. about you. <laughs> we definitely didn't tweak it. No, no not at all. <laughs> I'm a clapper when I talk, so good luck editing that. Oh, thank okay, you. everyone right, be so warm. Look forward to. <laughs> so, Dust, we start every episode with the question, what was one creative thing you did this week? And I won't put you on the spot. We'll give you a little bit of time to think. So, Karen, have you got your creative thing this week? I do. Oh, perfect. I do. I'm ready. I know the drill by now. Yeah. So. <laughs> my creative thing, I actually was reminded of something yesterday. I was talking to my family about a student that I have. It's like a funny anecdote that I share <laughs> about this student who is 19, or she was 19 at the time, it was a few months ago. And she asked me in all sincerity, Karen, what? is a mixed CD. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And goes on to say, I've heard it referenced in TV shows. Not even mixed tape. That's yeah. how far away how we are from that. How old is this child? 19 years old. Not even. Born. That was what was so soul crushing was that I'm like, this person's in university. Karen, 19 is 2004. That's oh, when Mean God. Girls came out. Oh, God. Mm. Oh. I was 14. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I I was, I mean, I'm 10 years older than her. I admit she's like 20 now, I think. <laughs> anyway, but still, it was, it was really jarring. And I'm trying to like explain to her what a mix tape or a mix. I mean, yeah, I didn't even want to go into tapes. I've had yeah. that question before. What's yeah. a t- cassette tape? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> talk to her, but I'm like, you know, 
on Spotify, you make a playlist <laughs> and it's a collection of songs. Imagine a physical yeah. playlist. Oh Imagine my God. a physical, tangible item that you'd gift your friends <laughs> of carefully collected, like a curated set of songs that aren't, you know, aren't related, but you find that common theme, you find that tone or mood that you're trying to convey and you weed through the, the downloads on your lime wire, your, <laughs> your Napster. Your Napster. You weed out all the ones that are actually just Bill Clinton going, I did not have sexual relations with that woman that would always pop up when you like download a song. Yeah, right? You yeah. know what I'm talking about, Dustin. Or big radio smasher. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You find the good quality tracks. Yeah. You hunt them down, you put them together, you make you write them all out on the CD cover. Maybe make some art. And you uh, you send them to to your loved ones, or you keep them for yourself. And so, anyway, this is my really long way of saying I made a, a playlist after that. It really inspired me to like really not a CD. I don't oh, you even burning know. CDs. We I don't, don't have that know. technology yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's possible anymore. Does anyone have a CD player anymore? I can't even remember when I stopped having a CD player. I know, they just kind of faded away. It's so sad. It's like the disc drives in laptops. Yeah, well, my upstairs neighbor has a CD player. And I only know that because I gave him my CD and he Um, listens to it sometimes. Oh, that's nice. nice. You can hear it and go, nice, that's CD When I moved in, he would play like, the Counting Crows and Sarah McLaughlin. I was oh, like, me and this guy nice. have the same taste yeah. in music. So when I my album came out, I gave him the CD. And, oh, yeah. nice. Oh, so did you Certified. actually like CDs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We here. got CDs made. That's amazing. <laughs> it was a choice. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what's hard to sell. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It's a collectible. Well, that's, they're coming back now, I think. No, it totally, that's right? what I heard. CDs are yeah. the new vinyl, like our generation yeah. or they are, younger millennials would collect I just vinyl. wanted something that could be on this earth after we're all gone and CDs (laughs) (laughs) when I think of long lasting (laughs) I think of cockroaches and CDs that's amazing how did your student react to hearing about mixed CDs I mean she seemed a little confused and you know like the spot at the playlist thing really you know clicked with her she's like okay I understand but didn't really understand the mechanics of like what you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to go through and how hard it was and time consuming mm-hmm. but but yeah i made i wanted to make a playlist i went really 90s i was feeling it was inspired like i was feeling the radio had kind mm. of nostalgia of my teen years after that so mm. made made a good playlist just called mood but it was you know very 90s inspired nice. got some cranberries in there mm. and some smashing pumpkins I nothing think too intense though a common ground between playlists and mixed cds at least for me was how chaotic you could name them oh yeah yes, right? yes, yes. like i had a friend who called her car the black widow <laughs> and we had a series of mixed cds called tales from the black widow oh that's amazing and it was just blends of all that. our favorite songs you know yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. awesome oh i miss that you know you're, you're right with the cds there's this like there's the set of sense of permanence that we just don't get with yeah playlists and my my family was very big on cds because i grew up in 
an interesting circumstance where we didn't necessarily have running water or electricity. Wow. But we did have CD players that ran mm. on batteries and Discman and things like that. So music was a big thing. And we used to give CDs as gifts. Like I got CDs oh. every time there was like gift giving. And I remember it wasn't a gift giving time, but it was my brother gave me a CD that said George Michael's Faith <gasps> on it. But oh. actually in it was the Marshall Mathers LP. Oh. Because my mom was like, caught me singing a dirty rap song one time mm. and then was like, no more of this. But my brother was like, you can't fall behind. Right. <laughs> yeah. So learn you all got, these words. We got to keep you up to date with yeah. the culture. But my brother, brother also for, I think it was like my 16th birthday, gave me every single Weird Al CD. <laughs> so like, it's like varied. He also one time handed me a Kylie Minogue CD and uh, Love at First Sight. Oh. and was like, this is good pop music. Mm. Never stray. Okay. And Josh is always laughing whenever I tell like a, a silly CD story. He's always like, you have such weird CD getting stories. And I was like, yeah, that's just the way my family is. And their stories. And their stories. That's the beauty of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a hobby as much as it is. Nostalgia, memories, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And we are diving into childhood. So we're going to put a pin in it because I want to ask you. (laughs) Okay. Can you tell me one creative thing you did this week, Dust? So, okay, I have been thinking about this question all morning because I was like, what did I do this week that was creative? Because I'm kind of a little bit on a creative break, Mm. which is very important. Mm -hmm. Just like taking a deep breath. I haven't written lyrics. I haven't created anything. I haven't done any of my regular artistic practice outside of just like being more in nature, dreaming, those sorts of things, which I consider Mm. to be creative, but I would also consider it creative rest. Yeah. Can I ask you, was the the choice to take creative, or was it a choice to take creative rest or was it just kind of something that was happening? Yeah. I would say for the last two weeks, I haven't been able to listen to any music. We've mm. been finishing up the visuals and the production for my EP mm-hmm. and I just needed a break. A friend sent me music that'd be like, hey, I finished my album. Can you listen? And I listened to like three songs and I was like, I can't right now. Yeah. And that's okay. I just like, I just lived in a sonic world for a while and was constantly thinking about it. And now I just need like to take a beat, but it's starting to crawl back in because I heard a Melissa Etheridge song on the radio and I was like, I'm lit. Um, So that's 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 exciting. We also had a band rehearsal during my creative rest time. So that's been fun to like get into that. That felt more technical, which was really cool. It was more like learning new songs and letting the band get to them because like, you know, as mm-hmm. the singer, I, I know the songs and I want to get to the vibe and like capture that performance. Mm-hmm. So creative rest. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I love that. I love that answer. I also have like a sort of not like typical answer for what I, <laughs> for my creative thing this week, because yeah, I haven't had a very creative week uh, in my head or at least nothing, nothing new, like editing the podcast and I practiced some songs, but the thing that came to mind was I went on a walk with my sister and we went into a shop and I found a skirt that I really like Mm. and I creatively talked myself out of buying it (laughs) (laughs) by (laughs) coming home and trying on all of my dresses. Mm. Um, And I don't really have that many skirts. That's why it would be easy to go buy it because it's something that I don't necessarily have. I I could justify it as needing it for for a wardrobe staple, but instead I just tried on all all my dresses and tried to make new outfits. So that was my creative thing was just closet Mm playtime. Very cool. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that is something I need to do more of. (laughs) Yeah. Creative with my own clothes. So I 
stop looking elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing was like, I hardly ever wear dresses. So I was thinking like any opportunity that I would have to wear the skirt, I could wear one of these dresses that I already have, which don't really get enough wear anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's so funny. I don't have that problem mm. because I have OCD and I have generalized mm. anxiety disorder. Okay. I wear what I like to call my uniform, which mm. is the same thing every single day. And I dress it with a jacket. Nice. So black t-shirt, black shorts or black pants or floral yeah. pants. Nice. So yeah, I don't, it's funny. It's like, get creative. I'm like, no, that no, would, that would no. actually be way worse. No, <laughs> yeah. no feel good. But also yeah. like on the flip side of that, I kind of have two two um closets right Mm -hmm. i have like dust closet and then i have my uniform Mm -hmm. but dust also has her own uniform which is just like puffy dresses yeah yeah yeah, you do a lot and i i feel like blue is such a color for you too yes 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 blue pink and yellow are like my favorite colors yeah yeah nice people like what are your favorite what's your favorite color and i'm like i don't have one favorite color there's so many literally yeah yeah That's a really, really interesting take on creativity, Alex. And I think like when I talk to young people about being creative or when I'm mentoring someone, I'm always like every little thing you do is creative, Mm -hmm. which is why it's important to call it creative rest. Yeah. Which is why it's important to say like, I creatively talked my way out of this because it's true. It's Mm -hmm. true. When you're an artist, like that's it. Mm -hmm. And I think it helps people who don't necessarily consider themselves artists to broaden the scope of what they might do that's creative mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't with this I, Alex I can't with your cat right now he is being so cute I need so to take cute. a photo of this Dust, do you mind being no I don't mind at all he's being so distracted honestly the photo from my angle would be hilarious so yeah, he's we'll really it from every angle here listeners we'll post this on the gram but gus is pulling out all the stops to charm dust right now he- it's pride month and his wrist is limp <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god look at you yes. you little goose yeah are you doing oh you're being so cute and playful I don't know how we're going to get he's anything done really, with him. Yeah, he's really in a mood. <laughs> he's like holding my hand. He okay. found his person in you. Oh, he's hi, like, buddy. wow. Hi, buddy. This is who I've been searching for. <laughs> That's so wild. <laughs> oh Dust, have you always considered yourself a creative person? Going back to childhood. That's a really good question. I would say no, but also yes. My family's really strange because while I think that they're all artists in their own way, in a very specific way, I don't think there's a lot, there has not been a lot of room for artistic expression in Mm. my family. If they hear this, it's whatever. I think I've told it to their face, but like as the more creative person in the family, there was never a lot of room for me. There was a lot mm-hmm. of support, mm-hmm. but there was never a lot of understanding or encouragement. Mm-hmm. Like when okay. it was time for me to like get going with my life, it would have mm-hmm. been nice to have, yes, Gus, go yeah. off. <laughs> it would have been so nice to, yes, get that bird, buddy. You've probably never been outside a day in your life. No, not. I was never, it, when it was time to school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I'm so sorry. We can just ignore him. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, dear listener, if you hear this, 
uh, cat in the background. It's just Gus. Yeah. He's, He's in charge. Yeah. <laughs> I wished that when I went into post-secondary mm-hmm. or when I was going towards it, my family had more foreth- forethought, but we were of a certain stature mm-hmm. um, in the world. And it wasn't something that anyone in my family had ever had the foresight on. So I was not given the foresight to think about what I wanted to do. And then when mm. I did get to it, it was like, well, do something practical. Yeah. It would have been wild to see where I would be at now. <laughs> Doing something, quote, practical. <laughs> that, but then also where I would be at if I had been supported in an artistic mm-hmm. direction. Oh, okay, right. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. But, I, but I understand where you're coming from, Alex, because it would be interesting. I was like, I was never destined for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think about that too. Like, what would my life have been like as a pharmacist? Or Not that that would have necessarily been the choice, but, you know... Yeah, Yeah. it is interesting. I think a lot of kids are so creative and really nurtured in their creativity or, you know, even if they're not nurtured, like you were saying, not necessarily supported, they are interested in those things. And then like what sets the people who actively pursue that in their adult life apart from the people that that don't necessarily or don't like Mm -hmm. want to go down those creative paths? Because you do get people who are very supported and nurtured into that and feel like uplifted to do that. And then people like you that really make that choice kind of on your own. On your own, yeah. I mean, coming to music was something I came to in my 30s, which is an interesting choice. But for me, it's not about how many listeners I get so much as my creative output. Mm -hmm. And I know that that part of me is available to everyone who meets me in a mentorship capacity, a support capacity. And I know you two are both music teachers. Mm -hmm. You work with youth. You work with young people who, like, if I was to say anything to you from my perspective, it would be like, don't underestimate the value of your presence in their life as an artist, as Mm. someone who supports them. Because we don't know what's going on at home. We know their parents are paying for it, but we don't, like my parents supported me, Mm -hmm. but again, they never gave me the drive. They never Mm -hmm. gave me the belief. Mm -hmm. They never gave me that push. They, my mom does now. And, you know, I've written a lot of stuff about my dad who has passed, but like, it was never something that was like, I was never pushed. And had I had a push, what would that have looked like? So yeah. the two of you don't underestimate well, your presence. You know, you don't have to say it, but like hold it for these young that's, people. That's really, that's a really kind thing to say. Because yeah. I don't think that we, <laughs> I, I, I think it's easy to underestimate whether it's as a music teacher, or just as a person, like your role as a non-parent in a, a yeah. child's mm-hmm. life. Yeah. It, you know, it's it's easy to kind of, not think too much about it. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you think about kids, like their only interactions with adults often are either their parents or maybe aunts and uncles and teachers. Yeah. So it is yeah. kind of a small pool to draw from. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So it's pretty important yeah. to be intentional with how we relate to them and, and support them. The arts are an interesting place for mentorship. There isn't a lot mm-hmm. in the mid level. You know, when you get higher up, you get mentors because you're larger stages, whatever the, 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 the premise of the art you're making. Mm-hmm. But like, it's not something that's incredibly valued. Mm-hmm. Mentorship mm-hmm. and like mentorship looks the same way that creative creativity looks. 
it can, can be can you go into that yeah absolutely so basically when we talk about creativity as sort of like a broad spectrum where you creatively talk yourself out about getting a skirt mm-hmm. um mentorship could be just you being like oh good job on the on your work today right like it's that it's just like it's encouragement it's every little thoughtful moment you have with your students or with your friends you can be a mentor to yeah. your friends too yeah, yeah. And so what has mentorship meant for you in your life? That's a great, that sort of like ties to my relationship with my drag mom, who you mentioned in Mm -hmm. my bio, you know, she put me in drag for the first time and he's just always been there. He's Mm -hmm. been present, available. He also sees the sides when I get excited, he sees the practical sides of me and reminds me of that. Mm -hmm. And so as mentorship has meant various things to me over my life i think now it's the understanding that we all have something to contribute and we Mm -hmm. all have something to learn from each other and how did you how did you meet chandelier when i first moved to vancouver i Mm -hmm. started frequenting drag shows Mm -hmm. and i saw one of shanda's shows and i was also working for a magazine at the time called beetroot oh yeah and i pitched to the editor there a monthly column that highlighted a drag artist. Oh, cool. Which at the time was not happening in the city. As we know now, like drag in Vancouver is literally everywhere, all over the world, <laughs> truly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a different world now when it comes to drag. Totally. Mm-hmm. This like idea that you could, as a drag artist in Vancouver in 2016, get an article written about you in this magazine with original photography was so exciting. And Shanda was our first subject for that. And we did a few after, uh, we did quite a few, but it was, it was through that, that we met and yeah, it all happens, happenstantially. But just one day I got a message that he was going to put me in drag and I was going to do my debut. And I really thought that it was going to be a one-time thing. Oh, really? I'd been going to a lot of drag shows. I've been a performer. I did musical theater through high school, all those things, you know, Mm -hmm. the gambit. But I never thought that it would uh, like it would continue, and it just did. It just never stopped. That's truly. that's so fascinating that it was it kind of came from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sometimes that's the case. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's about someone seeing something in you, and sometimes it's about you like doing it in your bedroom for a long period of time. But like drag is so derivative shade <laughs> um, that you can you can do it the way other people do it mm-hmm. to get yourself started before you find your own voice mm-hmm. it's uh in the community <laughs> it's so shady but like in the community we always say drag is an art but not all drag is art <laughs> that i mean i that could be said for music yeah. too i think there's Absolutely. a lot of overlap and you know the way you get started in music is often yeah. singing covers of songs yeah. right we can cover bands with your friends karaoke like whatever those right you have to start with other people's art before yeah. you then find your voice but a lot of yeah a lot of people struggle to find their voice or think that they found their voice, but maybe it's actually just someone else's voice that they've kind of adopted yeah. themselves, right? I mean, think about, think about babies. We're always like, what's the baby's first word going to be? Mm-hmm. And then we're all like, say mama, yeah, say, yeah. say dada, yeah, right. dada. Say and it. then like, say gay rights. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's then the baby 
finally says something. It's mimicking you. The baby finally says gay rights. The baby's like, gay whites. (laughs) 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 Which which is then like just mimicking you. Like Mm -hmm, everything starts Mm -hmm. from that. So yeah, derivative. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Art. All of it is Mm -hmm. truly at this point. Yeah. So just to bring it back for one second, if you can just help us bridge the gap between post-secondary, so you're saying you're doing musical theater, and 2016, around that time, moving to Vancouver, you're writing Mm -hmm. for a magazine. Um, What was your creative life between those times, and what were you doing? It was a lot of survival. Mm -hmm. After high school, I, I was doing a lot of theater, directing, those sorts of things. When I finally moved from my hometown, and I moved to Calgary, I didn't really have access to creative outlets. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it was survival. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was like smoking weed. A lot of it was, you know, the things you do when you're in your, like 19. In your early 20s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah totally. 19, 20, 21. And then in my neighborhood in Calgary in the Northeast, there's a bar called Shots with a Z. And the, <laughs> yeah, and the nice. O is an eight ball. Okay. Oh, an like, eight ball. Like a pool cue eight yeah. ball yeah, thing. Right. Yeah. And I went in there one Friday night and it was karaoke and I met a bunch of people and then it became a thing where I just went there every single Friday night. Mm-hmm. And I probably did that for the duration of the time I lived in that neighborhood. So like 18 months. Mm-hmm. And it just, it connected me to, to music, to performing. It felt safe. Mm-hmm. I loved watching the older women fight over who got to sing black velvet that friday like (laughs) that was like the song i was like who's singing it tonight babes and it's not a question of if that song's coming up it's who is yeah and often it was like whoever got there first (laughs) because the code was doth memorized and written down so like yeah yeah so that was sort of like my creative outlet but again it's karaoke right so Mm. like beginner level derivative but like fun Mm -hmm. gave me a sense of feeling pride those sorts of things yeah when drag started picking up for me i started singing to karaoke tracks Mm -hmm. songs that i had memorized from that time because after a while you sing the same songs for 18 months you just have the you just have them in your mind oh for Mm -hmm. sure so you just pop on a karaoke trap and then all of a sudden you're up on tables you have a wireless microphone you have an adoring audience like there's so many different things yeah that came to it and then that was sort of like the the entry point for for music was like am i capable of doing this thing originally yeah, yeah. In an original sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so as we as we said in your bio, you started writing your first EP mm-hmm. in in co- uh, during the first lockdown yeah. during COVID. And was that your first foray into songwriting or had you done any songwriting before that? For granting bodies in Canada's sake, yes, I had done writing before that. Ah, (laughs) Um, But it was just like parody drag songs. But they were original. They weren't a parody song of a song that existed. They were were a drag song. So it was like a local reference that was stretched into a song. Right. Because you were doing these like large scale kind of musical productions for drag, right? Yes. Yeah. We did a couple of musical productions for drag which incorporated drag numbers into narratives for storytelling purposes Mm -hmm. yeah we wrote a couple of songs just based on like in the community when someone gives you a critique or is shady Mm -hmm. there's sort of this mentality that you like take it and capitalize on it so anytime anyone would say like you wear flat shoes Mm -hmm. I write a song about flashlights. Well, no, I would just say like, okay, yeah, but there's like no book on how to do drag. Mm -hmm. So 
you can try and disqualify me all you want, but there's no book. So then mm -hmm. thus was born this silly single that I wrote many, many years ago called Show Me the Book. Mm, <laughs> nice. Clever. Yes. But so specific and, and very drag, right? Mm -hmm. But like at my heart, at my core, it took me a long time to find self-esteem about the emotional nature of who I was mm -hmm. because I am very sensitive and I am very caring and I am very all of these things and in certain spaces in, in the club scene that's not necessarily embraced yeah and so my taste in music reflects that mm. i like the emotion i like those i like the pop hooks too but like it really has to like carry a story even mm -hmm. if that story is veiled in metaphor mm -hmm. and so i was like am i capable of doing this thing and do i have the self-esteem to do it do mm -hmm. i have the confidence to put myself out there in this way because mm -hmm. it is a level of vulnerability that not a lot of people understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Talk about vulnerability hangover when like a show doesn't go over well or something. You just feel like you're kind of burying your soul. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it's or like just release day. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you understand this, Alex. That like yeah, pop off, kitties. When you release music, it's no longer yours, and yeah. anyone can have any opinion about it. Mm -hmm. Or and they. Uh, yeah, they can interpret your words in any yeah, way, totally. right? And have their own meaning. It is, yeah. it doesn't belong to you anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And especially if you're not in the same place. If you've written these songs about a particular time period or a particular emotional state and you're no longer in that place, it can feel even more sort of like alienating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you're, you're sort of separated from yourself. Yeah. So that too can feel vulnerable in its own right. I don't really know where I was going with that. That's a bit of a run on sentence, but <laughs> it's sort of where I find myself right now with the current music that I have sitting. It's, I feel a little divorced from it. So it feels difficult to figure out how I connect with it to therefore put it out in, into the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have songs that's their original conception has completely changed. Mm -hmm. It changes the way I desire them to be produced, the way oh. Josh and I talk about them. Mm -hmm. A song doesn't need to, like if you're divorced from them, it doesn't have to be the thing that is sitting in front of you. You mm -hmm. can go back in and you can change anything about a song yeah. before it's released, before and after it's released, truly. Yeah, like that's, that's like the beauty of it is there's the heart and soul of it, but then there's also like the way you want to present it to people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There is that you, you do have that time to like filter, yeah. filter your own emotions and thoughts, not in a way that diminishes your yeah. vulnerability or your, your rawness to the song, but just yeah. to really make sure that it's something that you want to have, you know, your stamp on right. Totally. Long term. There's a song on my 17 EP, which is the title track from it. Although the EP is numerically 17, the song is 17 spelled out. Was that intentional? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. And it's just been a, it was a choice. It was a creative, it was a creative choice. <laughs> so it's just cause like I got the cool jacket with the number 17 oh, on it. Okay. So like, it's like really, you know, I yeah, just wanted yeah. it to be, for the, for I want the things to line up. Yeah. The, yeah. 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 That, that makes sense. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's my first quote unquote breakup song. Mm. Since I started writing music seriously with Josh, I hadn't been in a relationship. I hadn't gone through a breakup. And 17 was a song I wrote after a breakup. And over time, that has changed because this person has come back into my life. Mm. We've made amends in a lot of really impactful and powerful ways. And so 
all of that started happening right around the time we were starting to produce it. And so mm. the production was informed by feeling a new sense of joy about the relationship mm. while also trying to capture the honest, raw nature of the song itself. That's so a, yeah. I'm excited for people to hear it and I'm excited to release a sad version, you know, in the future so people can hear where it came from oh, cool. because I want that storytelling to still live and exist. And that's something mm. actually that was Josh's idea. He's oh, like, I think man. we should release this, the demo version of it at some point, because he's like, that is, that was the moment where we were like, Oh, we, we've got this like this we are good songwriters together we're great collaborators it's both jointly currently what we would say is our favorite song that we've co-wrote together that's really cool and so oh go ahead oh i was just gonna say that's really cool (laughs) 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 no i think (laughs) okay now i can't i can't break away from saying that's really cool but that you are able to continue this emotional journey and and an artistic journey while still honoring the feelings that you had. And like you were saying, Alex, being divorced from those emotions can make it hard to tap into them again and to to really get excited. But being able to kind of have a a foot in both and be able to acknowledge those for what they were and like really honor those feelings, but move past it and honor that as well i think that's really hard to do honestly i started working with josh because i messaged him on instagram Mm -hmm. and they were so incredibly attentive immediately and they saw my potential immediately and gave me so many resources and i just ran with it i was like if this is being plopped in my lap i'm gonna run with it Mm -hmm. but i messaged them one month after my dad passed away my train of thought was I need an outlet. I need to encourage my creativity. It was like his passing left a room. It's like Mm. something opened up. And we worked for a lot of time before I had any lyrics or any song that made any sort of like impact or excitement in me. But I wrote a song about him for the album. And it was so hard to sing that song and spend time in that song that the recorded version on the album was done in one take because I could not sing it without bawling and without like having access to it. And now I can sing it no problem because Arcana was so healing and like this process has been so healing and it's been two years, two, two and a half years now that like he lives at the heart of what I'm doing and that encouragement that I never got when we were talking about, you know, high school and encouraging his passing, I took that as an opportunity for that because wow. all of a sudden he was no longer around. So I could, I could springboard all of the probably good things inside of him, the ways in which he loved me. I could just focus on those yeah. and I could deal with all of the pain. And the song is about the pain. He would hate the song. He would love <laughs> my music, but I think he'd hate the song that's about him because it's mm. too honest. Yeah. When it was demoed, I sent it to my little brother and he just sent it back and he was like, I'm crying. And I can't listen to this song ever again. And I was like, that's fair. And I remember one thing he said, he was like, it's so specific. Do you think that it's important? Do you think people will get it? And I just remember saying to him, it doesn't matter. Like, these are our memories. These are my memories. These are things that you remember. And I was like, we don't need to talk about them, but like, they're there. Yeah. Well, and for just from a songwriter's 
perspective, the specificity is makes is what makes a song completely relatable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it, it puts you into the emotions. Yeah. 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 A lot of the reflection too was when my dad passed away, I was in my Saturn's return. I don't know if you're astrology mm. girlies, but Saturn is known <laughs> as the cosmic father. And so everything just super lined up and the song's called Saturn. And the hook on the song is we find our truth in the lost and found when Saturn comes back around. Mm-hmm. Sort of this idea that we don't remember things the way they are ever. Yeah. Mm. Not because we mm. want to gaslight someone, but because we have inclinations towards the good or the bad or the neutral. Mm-hmm. And so when all's said and done, where is the truth? It's in a pile of truths. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's very profound. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. We yeah. we we're biased in just how we're viewing the room right now, right? We all kind of have our have our own lens and yeah. then with time the the memories of like what we saw with that lens get even yeah. more narrow and and we lose fragmented and fragmented yeah and you're right yeah it the truth is is very subjective <laughs> i guess yeah subjective yeah the truth you know is subjective it's it's not any one thing right we all have our different memories yeah um, i was listening to your album actually on the way over here and I got to that song Saturn. and I was wondering if that was the one that you were talking about. Because I actually, yeah, I got I got very emotional listening to that song this morning, actually. So it's it's funny. We're going into detail about it and Saturn's return. I was thinking all that. I'm not an astrologer, but I've been friends with Alex long enough to, <laughs> to know what yeah. these things Actually, uh, Karen just gave me a gift today. Okay. <laughs> what is it? Yeah. Okay. It's a little button with a cat on it. It's like mint green and it says Virgo on it. It's yeah, like I s- with flowers. It's like one of the most me things I've ever seen. I saw that I was at the ferry <laughs> terminal yesterday and I saw that. It was like cats and astrology. Like there's only one person yeah. that I think of. Sorry to derail your question, Karen. Yeah, so so just know. go ahead. You're saying you're feeling a little emotional listening. about Saturn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't really a question, but just listening to that song and you talking about it being too specific or, or your brother worrying about that. Yeah. It's true what you said. I'm basically just saying yes to all these points, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. yes, yes, yes. The specificity is what speaks to people. And that was so, so strong with that song to, to me this morning. So mm. that's all. I, I have a specific question now, okay. that we're, now that we're talking astrology mm. and we're talking arcana specifically. Mm-hmm. So arcana is in reference to tarot. And in some of the songs, you talk about crystals and witches, mm-hmm. amongst other things. But I, I wanted to know a little bit about your relationship to tarot maybe specifically but spirituality in general and and how that plays into your creativity or if it does at all yeah it's a great question in my early 20s i had somewhat of a spiritual awakening and it never really quieted down i was never raised in sort of like religion or anything like that but i was raised around people who were like mystical in their spirituality and i have a lot of beliefs in that direction as I've aged, they've become more grounded. They've become more about symbolism, how to find yourself through symbolism, how Mm. to figure out how to make choices through understanding those symbols. And a lot of who I am is very earth-based. And you will see that in Arcana too, when you 
playing with elements. There's fire, there's water, there's earth, there's air. Like it's very present in the imagery. My visual director Cole and I specifically wanted that. And we talked about imagery and how to reinterpret things from tarot in order to be spotted by people. Mm. There's also a lot of like numerology that goes mm. into it that is hidden in the imagery, which is really cool. A lot of it's buried in there from for me. This album mm. was for me. And it's funny because the album ends with that sentence for me. Mm. Like it's the outro for, for Unicorn River Child, which is the finishing track, which is a song that I wrote for myself. My spirituality is, if I had to like land on nailing it, I would say like paganism, mm -hmm. earth-based spirituality, which some people refer to as Wiccan or, you know, the witches, those sorts of things. All of those sort of like elements are of it. Mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. they are of paganism mm -hmm. paganism is a old religion that was destroyed by christianity much like a lot of religions and thought beliefs and mm -hmm. groups of people yes. on this planet yes. mm -hmm. and it's persevered over time and it is pure in nature and it is collective of understanding that we are from the earth and it is to the earth we return mm. my spiritual nature in my 20s was outward sharing, talking about it, being esoteric, being loud about it. Then it went inside, and Arcana is a way of blending the two. Because mm -hmm. it's poppy music, but it's infused with my beliefs. It's infused with things that are believable. And I think when you put it, when you squish it into a pop shape, it adds a groundedness, and it takes away the, like, woo-woo spiritual nature of it. Right. There aren't mm -hmm. like pan flutes mm -hmm. and... Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah <laughs> there's, there is none of that. I wanted a pop rock or pop rock album that, that spoke to things, I believe, like Hearts and Atlantis is about how like you and your friends live lives over and over again, which is why you can have such intense and beautiful relationships immediately with people. Love at first sight. I've gone places on this earth where I'm like, I've been here before. I just know where I'm supposed to go. Like I've had all of these very cool spiritual experiences and imbuing Arcana in that was a really fun way of giving a nod to that. And Josh always said when the album was coming out and the album came out and still to this day, he's like, it wouldn't have flown if anyone else had done this. No. He's like, because you're who you are and because of that openness it's so specific, but people just get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think obviously because you've had your relationship to your spirituality, your spiritual practices, it sounds like it's really integrated. Mm -hmm. So those references in the music don't, they don't pop out as it, it just really flows. It, it, yeah. They're, they're, mm -hmm. there's, there's kind of seamlessly in there Thank and, you. and for people mm -hmm. to pick up or not, it's not necessarily what the whole song is about. It's just part of who you are mm -hmm. and it's part of the song. Mm -hmm. When you listen to the title track Arcana, as you listen to it, it reads like I'm laying out cards. Mm -hmm. It reads like I'm giving myself a reading late at night during a breakdown it talks about the tower. It talks about the Ten of Swords. It talks about, there's references to the fool. There's references to the magician. Like there's so many references in the album to specific cards because it's easy to tell a story because the tarot is a story. Mm -hmm. It's the story of all of us. It's mm -hmm. where we're at at any given moment. The tarot has a way of telling us where we are. Mm -hmm. It's elemental. It's earthy. It's like, 
it's numerical and it's always been a place where as a person with OCD, I've learned to take a step back and not be so obsessed with it, but to like cherish it and, and hold a reverence for it. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit of a reach in terms of a segue, <laughs> but speaking of numerology, 17, I'm mm. particularly biased towards 17 because I'm born on a 17. Oh, sweet. And in numerology's the number 17 is eight, eight. which yeah. is my favorite number. <laughs> but, uh, but here I'm just talking about myself. <laughs> Whoops, <laughs> the segue was meant to be. Your new project 17 and the song 17, you posted about it on Instagram recently about kind of talking. I don't know if it was specifically to your 17-year-old self, but you were talking about your experience being a, y- a young person, a young adult, and being yeah. closeted at the time. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what that song or or maybe the whole project what you wanted to communicate either to yourself now or to that person then hmm. i went to high school in a pre-glee era <laughs> um <I'm sad. laughs> so high school was a little bit different as much as we can say what we can say about glee cringe whatever the ick whatever it really truly changed inside high schools Mm. because it was positive it was accurate portrayal of bullies against queer people and i think that it woke up a lot of people yeah and it was also like a lot of queer people being like hey honestly like santana and britney like that was incredible kurt and blaine that was like groundbreaking when um alex newell's character you know the character you're talking about but i can't unique Unique. Unique. When Unique showed up, it just, like, it changed things for trans people. It changed things for gay people. Like, there was a lot going on. And there's body representation and different shapes and sizes. And, like, it was incredible. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like, it ruined most of those people's lives. But Mm -hmm. we're grateful for the art. When we wrote 17, the whole hook is, I act like I'm 17 when you say goodbye to me. All of the pain it brings. A lesson in empathy. Am I too old to stop believing in destiny? I wasn't enough, but I gave you the best of me. I'm sorry I never got to be 17. The idea is that I act like I'm 17 because I never got to be because I came out when I was 18 because it wasn't safe for me. Self-esteem issues from being fat in a fat phobic society, just a lot of like unloving things from childhood and all of those sorts of things. And also being aromantic and trying to force myself in the shape into the shape of romance. What does that mean? Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah. So as an aromantic person, obviously there's no, overly important representation of it anywhere. So oftentimes for me, I would think to myself, this is a thing I should be doing. This is a thing I should be feeling. So Mm. let's try and make ourselves fit into this concept. Right. And it never worked. And it still doesn't work. But I know now, you know. And Um, how how correlated to people's journeys with sexuality or, or, mm -hmm. you know, figuring out that they might not be straight they might be gay or 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 any number of things like trying to fit yourself into (laughs) well the chain of what i should be feeling but i'm not yeah the chain of events is me thinking i'm gay because there's gay representation out there and then me being like actually i've been attracted to girls women femmes Mm -hmm. and so i was like well come out as bi and then i socialized as a gay man for a long time and then i was like "Mm, i don't think man works i think i'm gender 
fluid, maybe? Mm-hmm. And then non-binary became a thing um, in terms of larger representation of it. So I was like, that for sure. And then over time, after the breakdown of a couple relationships, I was like, I need to go to therapy. I need to sort this out because there's something something's up. And that's when my therapist and I came to this term, aromantic. And it was something I brought to her. And I was like, this feels like me. And we talked about it. And I was like, I'm going to integrate this in and like want to pull apart all my previous relationships and see where I was forcing something that forcing something on myself that didn't exist within me. And what does it mean to move forward in my life sharing this new piece of information with partners? Yeah. And then obviously, like, through that, I also discovered more elements of myself that are more trans than non-binary. And so I do identify as trans non-binary because there's certain ways where my gender shows up in the more trans direction, which is incredible and so empowering. But aromanticism, I'm also in a state right now in my life where... I maybe am feeling romantic re- feelings for someone and just having those discussions with this person being like, we still need to validate my identity, but we also need to understand that something special is happening. Yeah. Like I'm feeling something I've never felt before. So that's exciting and really cool. And like, as a, I feel like sometimes, I don't know if you get, you two get this, but sometimes I feel like just like, an anthropologist in my own life. Yeah, <laughs> like totally. You're, you're totally like, wow, totally. what's yeah. new? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. What discoveries have we made here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. cool. You use like labels or you know th- these terms to help you understand yourself. I think you know representation, but also having terminology is so yeah. important to self-discovery and just being able to have language for what we're feeling, but also not holding yourself to that language yeah allowing allowing, like you're allowing yourself to grow and to uh, understand yourself using that language but to not let that hold you down or or let the exploration stop there yeah i think that's what's special about queer identities is that they some are black and white Mm -hmm. but most live in the gray area and that's what queerness is Mm -hmm. and there's a fluidity to it Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's so true i think with queerness right you you have to be a little more explorative because there's less representation like we were saying at the beginning when we are babies we're mimicking things right (laughs) yeah musician creativity like we're mimicking and then have to understand our own voice through that mimicry rather than being like i'm just this new person on the earth and everything that I do is original to me, right? We're kind of weeding out like what works for us and what doesn't, right? And and I think because queer people aren't in that majority, they have to uh, have more self-understanding for their feelings because it just, just doesn't mesh. It's really easy, I think, for white people, for heterosexual people, cisgendered people to... Just go, yeah, that's, that sounds like humans, not even just me, but like human beings in general, because that's what I see. That's what's represented. That's the terminology that's out there and never to explore further than that. I, (laughs) that's just it. When we make everything, it's like. I really wished that I could just have an off-the-rack gender mm. and an off-the-rack <laughs> yeah. sexuality, which is the, yeah, the metaphor that, that I'm yeah. picking up on with you. Yeah. is like the, yeah, oh, well, straight 
hetero like straight people are just I like just yep pictured. that and that yeah. and then it's like they're those good those and I'm just like <laughs> I'm like well what if you put a vest on yeah like what if you what if you wore the skirt as a dress mm-hmm. yeah you know or wear the dress at all or yeah. wear the dress at all <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah that's so yeah that's I just pictured like a straight person factory and just like linking arms and. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it exists. It's very, it's, yeah, uh, there's the conveyor belt of options. It's very limited. You it's just... the it's the it's the the male outline and the female outline on bathroom doors. <laughs> yeah, hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. Men wear pants. Women wear dresses. <laughs> Don't you stray? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. That's interesting. So. You know, going off of that, Alex was explaining, right, one of her create her creative thing of the week is dressing, mm-hmm. right? And you said you have a uniform, mm-hmm. which is kind of taking out the creativity yes. in in how you dress. Do you find that you need some struck maybe because of your OCD or your anxiety or just for other reasons? Yeah, you decision need fatigue. Decision fatigue. Yeah. Do you, you need to f- have certain aspects of your life that are a little more... I don't want to say lacking in creativity because, you know, everything is creative and I think like decision making and problem solving is creative, but maybe you're just trying to trying to limit that in some areas so that you can flourish in other areas or is there is there a purposefulness to that? That's a really good question. I've never actually thought of it that way. For the uniform, it's it's texture and weight and weight being like the weight of the fabric like mm-hmm. it's a it's a thing it's yes. a thing maybe i'm on the spectrum too we're not gonna go there we're not gonna speculate <laughs> that i feel that i feel that really strongly when i'm shopping for the clothes it's less about how things look and i've learned this over time because i'll buy i used to buy things that i would think are beautiful and realize it's the the weight the the way it feels on me right the, yeah. yeah the texture the fabric the, the sensation mm-hmm. the in the inside it's referred to as like dysphoria versus euphoria, mm-hmm. which is a term used for, for gender things. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to clothing too, certain clothes can trigger our dysmorphia, mm-hmm. which is when we don't view our body the way that it actually is. Mm-hmm. Thinking we're heavier, thinking we're skinnier, thinking we're something we're not. Mm-hmm. Dysmorphia. And so clothing can be very dysphoric and dysmorphic when you're trying things on. That's why you'll often see queer people shopping for clothes together because it's like a, it's a mm-hmm. common thing because there is specific sizes. Clothing is meant to like be for a specific body shape and those sorts of things. You know, it's a it's a whole thing. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah, totally. But we live yeah. we live in a fat phobic society, which is also yes. why. I sing about it a lot and also why I call out fat people in my shows and also why my merch never goes below an XL. Mm, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah so I, I got a little lost in my own thing there because I feel like that's why I felt such an urge to buy that skirt that mm-hmm. looked good on me because I had spent a couple of of days um, or, you know, just if I'd go into a shop, I'd try on a skirt and I was having those those feelings of of just like nothing looked good. And then I see this one thing that fit my body in ways that were flattering. I'm like, well, I have to get it because the other things don't. I'm like, well, maybe I don't 
need to. Maybe I already have clothes that I feel good in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just because something fits me and other things don't, that doesn't mean that I need to collect all the things that fit me. Not to be the Pied Piper of impulsivity here, but like, I would encourage you to get that skirt. <laughs> you know what? There's still time today. It's a gorgeous day. Maybe I'll just she go actually watch actually shows yeah. up with that skirt next episode. She's like, this is Listen, the guys. skirt. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I think it's important to honor those good feelings yeah. and to reinforce them. So I'm glad that mm. you didn't buy the skirt, but the memory of the skirt lives, <laughs> it lives looms on large. In me. If I'm unsure of things, my thought process is that I'll go back. Yeah. If I'm still thinking about it, I'm going back for it. Yeah. No, that's a good, that's a good. That's it's good a good me. rule of thumb to have. The, you take away the impulsiveness, but you know, <gasps> let yourself enjoy yes. the things that make you feel good. and Totally. Yeah, I think clothing is one way to to really feel at home in our in our bodies. But, yeah, you know, it, what, and whether that's dressing really, cr- uh, not creatively, but <laughs> just dressing, just dressing really colorfully, or you know, mm-hmm. um, vibrant and or eccentric, or dressing in a uniform, right? Whatever feels mm-hmm. like yourself. I, I mean, I have the uniform, right? But I, I, I said I dress it with a jacket because I still like attention. Yeah. So I wear a loud, crazy jacket. Does yeah. the jacket change or is it that Oh, I have a the... closet of jackets. Yeah, oh, okay. Yes, okay. yes, yes. And also the whole 17 EP is centered around a jacket mm, that yes. me and my creative director, like, we designed it together. Oh, cool. We have the whole cool. idea of, like, what would a open accepted varsity drag Mm -hmm. jock look like i love that i I love that yeah Yeah. i love that the you know it's a varsity jacket which is very jock very jock very heteronormative (laughs) kind of you know how do we like make the jacket pink and blue and yellow yeah Yeah, you're kind of spinning it on its head to really like highlight that time and your yeah your experience it's it's down to the t2 part of it was inspired by the i don't wear wigs and my hair is kind of more on the like masculine like jock side of things Mm. um and i have a beard so i was like how do we like how do we lean into this aesthetic that's already Mm. sort of like here um because it's easy yeah. It's easy. It's in front of us. Yeah. Um, and it's something that you don't really see. Like, this is very uniquely you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. I love the art direction that I'm able to do. Some artists do it and some artists don't. And it's not necessary. But it's like part of the drag inspires the, like, the visual element of mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And I know like we could talk to you for hours and unfortunately we don't have hours <laughs> this time, but hopefully we can have you on again and have another conversation. Oh my God, are we done this already? Has been, I, this has been, no, this has been such be a done. lovely conversation. Um, <laughs> and I would love to wrap up with our creative recommendations. Okay. So um, Dust, have you got a create? Well, first of all, First creative recommendation, listener, is that you go listen to Dust's (laughs) EP 17, which will be out at the time of this episode and will, of course, be linked in the show notes. And please Mm -hmm. go check out their Instagram um, and their music everywhere you find music, Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, etc. Besides your project. (laughs) Sorry, I just stole that from you as a recommendation. Lay it out. You need to give another one. Yeah, can you give us one one creative recommendation for our listeners? Creative recommendation for listeners. Okay, I really wanted to plug this because it's so important to me. But there's a song on 17 that the whole album opens with a song that I wrote about a friend of mine whose name is Kylie V, and they are a local indie musician Mm -hmm. here in Vancouver. And the song is called Kid Wonder, and it was inspired by me 
being inspired by them being where they are mm. um, at this time when they're 19 years old. Mm. And I remember when Arcana was about to come out and I was feeling incredibly vulnerable. It was probably August last year. I said to them, I was like, what? Like, why do you do music? Like, I feel so vulnerable. I feel so scared. I feel like I could easily just like not do this. And I was like, how do you deal with that vulnerability? How do you deal with that that feeling inside? And they literally were like, they sent me a voice note and it said, I don't get that feeling because... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's so shocking. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I don't get that feeling because I have never had a doubt in my mind that this is what I'm supposed to do. Oh, wow. And then they were like, and I don't think you should doubt yourself either. Oh, that's beautiful. And I was like, oh, I want to cry right now thinking yeah. about it. But I'm like crying. that encouragement, for, again, when we tie this back to the beginning of the episode about mentorship, mm -hmm. it yeah. comes in unlikely packages mm -hmm. from the most wonderful places. Yeah. And so the song Kid Wonder is about Kylie. And if any, if you want to know Kylie, you can listen to their music, listen to her, their song Catherine, listen to their song A Story If You Want. These are songs that have moved me deep. And the fact that they come from a 19-year-old is otherworldly yeah and that's so amazing that you were mentored in a, in a sense from someone who is younger than you and i think it's a good reminder for all of us that mentorship does mm -hmm. not mean i sought that mentorship from them mm -hmm. i sought it out mm -hmm. i was like i see you as a peer and i know that they see me as a mentor in a lot of ways too just based on the questions they ask but like it's got to be give and take mm -hmm. you know if we're Absolutely. if we're drawn to be around someone then we need to get to the root of why. That's really beautiful. That is mm -hmm. really, really beautiful. Thank you so yeah, much. Yes, this was amazing. Can I just say, I've been on a few podcasts. You two are incredible hosts. Oh, this really is kind. so yeah. lit. I'm so proud of you. That's Thank good. you. We can take some of the credit, but I know most of <laughs> yeah, it comes to Gus. <laughs> oh, honestly, if, if, if I leave and then you can't find him... <laughs> Just wrote Do out. not text yeah, me. Wrote yeah. out together. One thing, You're blocked. One thing that I just want to like recall for us is when Dust, when, we, when you, you and I were talking about this episode, I asked, are you allergic to cats? Because I've got cats. And, and Dust said, actually, I would prefer if the interview was given by the cats. And I feel like that sort of happened. Gus kind of took the brief. He really took that note to heart. Yeah. I was like, actually, can you not be there and just yeah. like <laughs> just leave give me, me the keys? <laughs> Probably would have been like also an amazing episode. Yeah. <laughs> Just turn on the microphones and see what happens. Uh, it was nice to get to see Tick do her little jumpy trick yeah. thing. Oh, that was yes. a little precious. Put on twice. a little show for you. A little puffy tail. Yeah. Obsessed. Yeah. Karen, have you got any creative recommendations for us? I uh, my creative recommendation would be also my creative thing of the week. I think everyone should make a playlist and yeah. go into the annals of their mind and do something nostalgic. I've been feeling nostalgic listening to your your album Arcana and 90s Darling. I mean, that one is mm. just ripe with so many great references. I am a 90s kid and yep. you know, but I feel like it can surpass that. I think you have such a beautiful way. I know we have to wrap up, but I just have to say that you have such a beautiful way of incorporating references into your music and symbolism as you're talking. It's so authentic and so natural. It doesn't sound 
like you're trying to, you know, get those in for whatever for reason. Yeah, yeah, just for yeah. the sake of doing it. It's so like, it paints like such a beautiful picture. It's very visceral. And I'm going off on a tangent just to give you this compliment because I was so struck by it. Thank but you. But yeah, the 90s, darling, it got me thinking of the 90s. I made my playlist. I think everyone needs to go back into their into their adolescence, whatever time period that is. Make yourself yeah. a little playlist and get inspired by the music that really, you know, that you were drawn to. Yeah. At such a formative age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's Pride Month, so you need to go listen to Bring Me Some Water by Melissa Etheridge. Oh, yay. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Toss your ass in a circle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about wraps us up. This has been Vicarious. I'm Alex. I'm Karen. And I'm Dust. Yeah. And we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye.